make sure I've got that turned on. All right, welcome to Truth and Fiction this morning. Uh, here with myself, Josiah, and I'm Steve, and we're t- talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. The, I think this first one's called The Curse um, of the Black Pearl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was well. I recently saw Dead Man's Chest, and that's the second one. But uh, yes, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And so I'm going to give a quick plot summary synopsis here. Uh, so we've got starts out with this beautiful scene where you you meet the two of the main characters, Elizabeth and Will. Will's kind of fished out of the water. Elizabeth is on this ship with her father on this uh, the crossing uh, in the Car- in the Caribbean. And, and then you kind of the next scene you see Jack Sparrow is introduced. He's sort of the main character, hero of the story. Everything sort of revolves around him, and he is uh, coming into port on his dinghy with the most <laughs> epic uh, music, just the most this fantastic orchestral music presenting him as this awesome hero. And he's standing at the top of the bow or at top of the the, the main mast, <laughs> the cross member, looking like a, a hero. And then he steps off his sinking ship onto the dock <laughs> and leaves it behind him. A terrific uh, entrance. It's, it's fantastic. One of my best, one of my favorite intros of any character, I think, yeah. in any any film I've ever seen. It just defines him as a character so well in, in just a moment, in just a, a flash. Right, right. So anyway, he he gets captured. He saves Elizabeth's life. Um, some pirates come and raid the port where uh, Elizabeth and Will and, and Jack are all present at the time. And they're trying to get back some lost gold because they're cursed. But you don't really find that out until a little bit later. Some uh, various interactions occur where... Jack manages to commandeer a ship, and now the local law enforcement is after him, as well as this this crew that you find out marooned him previously from from uh, when he was a captain. They mutinied and marooned him, and and now Jack is out to get his boat back and to hopefully get out from underneath the law and get away, while also uh, saving the ad hoc friends he makes along the way. That so sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> uh, lots of sword fighting and lots of kind references to the Disneyland ride yes. are abundant in this in this film, which I got a real kick out of. Um, so many, uh, so true to that the spirit of that ride, which is really just you know taking something that is Joe side and we're talking somewhat serious. You know, pirating is you know there's some, some negative parts to it, uh, <laughs> uh, but the ride at Disneyland has always played them as this sort of these lovable. Uh, bad guys uh, right misunderstood miscreants <laughs> one right, might say <laughs> right right uh, but no one leaves the pirates of the caribbean um angry at the pirates or you know frustrated with them or disturbed by them it's it's just oh, yeah, those silly right. pirates <laughs> and i think uh the movie does a, a nice job with with that right it's kind of funny though the the whole Almost everything in this movie that you're meant to take away from it, the entire enjoyment of the movie is based upon overlooking actual piracy. Like there isn't any actual piracy that takes place that really that you see, except for a very brief flash where the black pearls that are floating away from the boat that Will Turner was on that was destroyed. And so you, there's this sort of implication that they mm-hmm. might have wiped out this merchant vessel. Uh, but that's like the closest thing to actual piracy you see right. in this whole film. And you kind of, you kind of overlook it because most of the characters that you like and don't like, but the ones you engage with are all supposed to be pirates. And right. even the honest characters become pirates. That's, this is true. <laughs> I was thinking there is another scene when they raid the town. 
right that's true that's more pirate a little more traditional pirate you know with Mm -hmm. the with the with the pillaging and the in the burning yeah uh but uh, ironically i mean we even have burning and pillaging in the in the ride at disneyland which is still okay (laughs) (laughs) still we're we're okay um i love the way they actually brought in the whole skeleton thing too because that's an odd part of the ride too because right. you, you see you know you give these these living skeletons you know that i are, forgot about that that's that on are, the ride that, yeah. that are in the ride and you as a kid you're always kind of like well that's kind of weird and everyone knows about it remembers it and these big stacks of gold and stuff mm-hmm. uh and then of course the iconic skeleton drinking you know with the, the, right. the wine with the you can see it going right through them which they pay a nice homage to in the in the film yeah um, but they do a nice job of marrying those two things um and making them be the curse and when you see them in the moonlight yep. uh they become those skeleton uh <laughs> pirates which is just a, it's just a super creative um you know, I've seen a lot of not a lot, but I've seen movies based on rides and right. attractions or before video games or, or video games, right. right? And there's this there's this kind of sort of a kind reverence to it and a really creative way of looking at the source Definitely. that I think is really makes this movie stand out. It's a uh, it's it's done it's done really well actually. Yeah, so, I, I can't think of any any uh, creative take off of any video game or ride or anything that even closely matches the level that they did with this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it is it is a nice job there. Uh, let's talk about Jack Sparrow though. He is our main character, and Josiah has some uh, ideas about him, and that might have even changed from his original watching of the film into his most recent foray into it. So you want to tell us about your views on Jack? Yeah, Jack. Jack is such a great character. Uh, in this world where we're starting to appreciate antiheroes more, uh, I, it, I was tempted, and I always in the past had seen Jack as more of the antihero, and in, in that he's he's obviously the main character, and you obviously like him. Uh, but you're not really sure why <laughs> there's there's this weird tension you have with Jack is where everyone around him seems to think he's this sort of scumbag who's not trustworthy and he's a pirate. But he he's sort of forced into making better moral decisions than you would expect him to. And he and he gets he gets through the whole situation without uh, betraying any of his friends and he manages to get them out of a pickle, although it seems like he's going to use use them for leverage or he's willing to sacrifice will at one point for the sake of his getting the pearl back and it kind of seems like that's how it's going to go but when i paid way more attention to him this last time i started to realize that actually him and commodore norrington are the only honest people in the whole crew like he actually doesn't lie to anyone the whole way through until the very end when he's talking to barbosa uh, in the cave mm-hmm. and he calls himself a liar only to then imply that he's actually an honest person doing something stupid <laughs> in this wonderful confounding sort of Bilbo-esque uh, <laughs> moment where, you know, an honest person you can always trust to be honest. Or dis- no, a dishonest person you can always trust to be dishonest, honestly. It's the honest <laughs> ones you have to watch out for. And what's funny is that he is an honest person right. and you never expect him to do the honest thing. Right. I love when he's um, he's standing in the in the ship he says he wants to commandeer he talks to those two soldiers and he kind of slips by them and they confront him with at gunpoint and he asks, well what are you doing here he says well uh i'm I'm planning on taking his ship or right he he basically just tells him his whole plan planning on taking the ship and going pirating essentially right right. (laughs) and they're like 
we well no of course he's not the one the one starts to argue with the other is like no right. of course he, if, if he was trying to do that he wouldn't have told he wouldn't us. have told us that right, right. <laughs> or would i right. he's just crazy enough <laughs> to actually be honest and knowing that no one believes him and that uses that to his advantage throughout but well when you were talking about him before you were saying that ironically he's sort of the least pirate-like person of all he's and the he's the least a... piratey pirate ever. Yeah, yeah like commodore says when he first meets him you are by far the worst pirate i have ever met <laughs> which is actually true right right, you know, right. of course then he gets away and gets them to set up the boat for him and then he right. steals it from him so he does a pretty good job stealing <laughs> right. the ship yeah but i like the idea that when we talked about this idea of these pirates that are you know sort of bad guys and and they are set up that way obviously we got to have we, we can't think they're too great you know and the and the crew of the Black Pearl are some pretty slimy characters in there. Right. Not just their appearance, but they're, you know, there's some... You know, do even, plenty of knife but, work. But even then, they're they're uh, they're kind of comical, too. You know what I mean? Right. And, and again, I think that goes back to the spirit of the ride. You know what I mean? It's not... This isn't a horror movie. This isn't a... And right. that, that ride is a, is a comedic sort of stroll down a sort of... Uh, bleached past right, I, mean? right. <laughs> I don't know how they came up with that in the first place because that's such a such a curious way to look at something that historically has been right. horribly feared and yeah. it's quite the the rosy romanticized right look. right and uh so I, again i think the film does such a great job of keeping that that spirit alive but he is a uh, but jack is incredibly honest like you were yep. saying which is not something that we would associate with piracy no um we talked a little bit about his just this quiet confidence and this idea that he just um we we likened him actually to our our buddy ferris bueller who has this sort of remember ferris just did he kind of knew exact not kind of he knew exactly what he was doing you know he had that whole day planned out and in fact i think there's a line in the movie where she says you woke up they knew exactly how this day was going to (laughs) go and uh i feel like jack sparrow has that same kind of i've 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 got this um i'm not going to get worried about stuff i'm just going to sort of uh rolls with the punches roll with the punches doesn't always go exactly it doesn't always go exactly how he plans or does it you know like you're not really sure right but it all seems to work out for him just like ferris got home safely and everyone was okay and Everything's going to turn out all right. You get the same sense with Jack. And I I, I think that we like him for that. We love that. Yeah. We love yeah. that confidence. And we love that, you know, he doesn't get too stressed out about stuff. And it's things tend to seem to me, go his way. It's interesting to me that along that same note, you we we like the characters that have a goal in mind. And they're, they're pursuing something intentionally. Like they're taking agency and going after something. Uh, and and fate seems to favor them. At least that's what this movie mm-hmm. implies. Yeah, and I think Ferris Bueller does too. Yes, but there's a there's this great symbol of that in the movie, which is Jack's compass. So Jack's compass is this compass that everyone thinks it's, is broken, right? right. Which is a, <laughs> on a slightly separate note is hilarious when you think of the moral compass, because. Everyone looks at Jack and thinks his moral compass is all over the place. Right, it's totally right. broken. It doesn't point north at all. Right. But Jack's compass actually is the best compass of all of them in that it only points to what he wants most. Right. And so rather than a moral compass with sort of an arbitrary point, his uh, always points to what's most important to him. 
at the at the given moment, which gives him very focused vision. Like he always yes. has vision. Yes. And because he knows what he wants, he knows what he's going for. People will follow him, and people do follow him. Right. And that's yeah, right. That, and I think that's what makes him heroic. You talked about him at, at first. You thought he was an anti-hero, but he actually is an absolute hero. Yeah, he's actually the hero <laughs> of the story. Right. He he, he checks all the boxes right. for. For hero. He just doesn't look like it because he's a pirate. Right. <laughs> but we get that set up from the very beginning, this yep. idea of appearance versus reality, which is a, right. a pretty common trope um, in, in literature and film. But even set up in the brilliant, you know, in the very beginning, right? What, we, what you talked yeah. about. Here, here he is, this guy. In. Yeah, here's this guy. He's proudly, you know, in the, in the wind and he's... Uh, Oh, look at this captain of this ship. Standing in the crow's nest. That right. was the word I was looking for. There you go. And then, <laughs> and then literally, like within seconds, we realized, nope. Nope. That's not who he is. That's not who he is. <laughs> He's so on a dinghy with careful. a hole in it. <laughs> right. Be careful what it looks like, you know. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we are sort of warned in the beginning to beware of appearances. Yep, um, yep. And, uh, yeah. That's He's a, true. He is, a, he, he is definitely a vessel of truth. Um, and... <laughs> And very heroic. The most unlikely vessel of truth. Right. Um, what about, uh, you mentioned the Commodore, and you said that Jack and the Commodore were the two most honest people, or that yes. at, least they're, at least they're true to their beliefs, right? Is that what you were saying? Right, right. So the Commodore has a similar uh, moral compass, one might say, and that is the law. So he is, he is bound to the law in the way that Jack is bound to his compass, right. in that he, he will follow it and carry it out to the letter. And he, his whole character arc seems to, uh, it, it goes from being a person who's 100% bound to the law and will execute it with perfection and integrity and, and all these actually fairly admirable traits right. to being a man who's actually a little bit more flexible, a little bit more aware of the nuance mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he sees at the, the, one of the last lines he has, he's talking to Will Turner and he pulls out the sword that Will made which is this you know, beautiful work of craftsmanship. Right. And he says that, I expect that a person who, who would build us, or I wrote it down. Uh, I expect, this is a beautiful sword. I would expect the man who made it to give the same care and devotion in all areas of his life. And so even though Will had just set free a pirate who was on the, who was going to be hanged and right. tried to, you know, this ill-conceived escape attempt, uh, Norrington is able to see through that and recognize that it wasn't wasn't just a brash action, and he calls right. him brash two or three other times, uh-huh. but he was actually thought out um, and based in, in thoughtful devotion to this man that mm-hmm. Will had decided was a good man, and because Will and, and Elizabeth actually both kind of saw through Jack's facade right, right. and recognized that he actually cared about people, he cared about his crew, he cared right. about them, right. was willing to, um, and this is. I think his most admirable char- character trait is he was willing to keep trusting people and keep uh-huh. counting on them, even though they had betrayed him. Right. So Jack gets backstabbed by both Elizabeth and Will in this uh, through this series of events, but uh, but he he doesn't turn on them. No, he keeps that again. That's that quiet confidence that mm-hmm. you know. Hey, they may have betrayed me, but, but I'm just going to keep moving forward, and it's all going to sort of fall into place for me just right. the way that doc showed up when i stepped on my boat you know like <laughs> right it's just i'm just gonna keep walking and the doc will appear you know and I he think. gives them the benefit of the doubt in that too like yeah. he trusts that they they were doing what they could do best you know he says that about his crew when they leave him yeah and he's like oh they did what was right by them and he kind of lets it right. go yeah 
And so uh, I was going something more with Commodore. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Commodore, his his arc comes to a place where he can recognize a little bit more nuance. He lets a little bit of leeway in the law, mm-hmm. allows Jack to get away, gives him a head start. Right. Um, and right. then eventually chases him. And, and you, you find out in the next movie that he chases them for weeks and right into a hurricane. And then he there's some tragedy that happens and he loses his ship and is... Uh, resigns from being a commodore, and you know his arc continues in the okay. coming movies. Well, he's uh, you know we we uh, we've often talked in this space about about change and about mm. a character who who you know like we talked about Cameron in um, Ferris Bueller who right. undergoes a huge <laughs> a big change. Um, Ferris does not remember right. he doesn't his sister undergoes a change but mm-hmm. Ferris does not so we have Jack who does not really undergo any change he's yeah not a, really <laughs> he's the same Jack that we met we know him better now we know to beware of appearances and we mm-hmm. know that he might not be who or what he appears to be um, but we do see change though in the Commodore yeah and we do see big changes in uh, I, I, well we see changes in Will. We for see sure. Will too, and I was thinking about we were talking too, where we have the same a small parallel there too, because we also have uh, Will, who's pretending to be somebody that he is not. Right. Um, that he's he's not the helper of some guy. He actually is the craftsman of those of the swords that are, that are everyone's so in awe of. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so right. he's got a. So beware of appearances there as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And Will, uh, you, when you first meet him, he's he's adrift on the ocean, and the whole way through the story, you could tell he doesn't really know who he is, or he doesn't have right. much grounding for for his character at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> and one of his last lines is, you know, my place is here by his side, you know, by Jack's side. And so he kind of he goes through a, a transformation from being adrift at sea right. to literally, actually, literally yeah, right, yeah, uh-huh. to kind of knowing who his father was, right. coming to accept that that in his blood is is a piracy and a good uh-huh. man, yeah, just like his dad was a good man too. Um, and the last scene you see of him, he's wearing this big hat that is reminiscent of the Three Musketeers. He just looks just like like D'Artagnan <laughs> from the movie. And uh, and I think that is symbolic of the of uh, the identity he's sort of taken on mm-hmm. as this outcast, uh, but on, but ultimately honest and dignified uh, hero outlaw in some sense. Right. Like he's willing to be the honorable outlaw, and he kind of takes on that right. that persona at the end and is more grounded and more whole. Yeah. So he has this great character arc too. That is great, and then and we can and he can you know attribute almost all of that to Jack Sparrow. Yeah. The to hero of our, and, of our yeah. story. So, um, so again, there's more parallels to this than Ferris Bueller than I originally thought. Um, but it's true. We have the same kind of figure mm-hmm. that, uh, that helps lead other people out of, I guess you could say darkness in a way, like or out of unknowing into, into knowing, um, yeah, out of being yeah unknowing to knowing, being stuck to being a little more flexible, right? Like too much order into some a better balance between chaos and order. In the right. case of Commodore, Norrington. yeah, yeah, I like that balance of between chaos and order. Uh, but about Elizabeth, um, she's an interesting one. Who, if we look at the very beginning uh, of the film, she's singing a pirate song. She's fascinated by pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 sort of be careful what you wish for kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) happens to her when she gets, you know, but she finds, but she gets introduced into, if you look at Elizabeth's um, experience with piracy in general, she has this sort of 
almost maybe a sort of romanticized version of it. Ooh, they're exciting, they're interesting, and mm-hmm. ooh, he's, you know, and so she keeps this medallion. You know, she that's you know, this is as you know, she says later that she took it because she didn't want them people to think he was a pirate, right? And he's like, why'd you take my medallion? You know, um, but th- but she sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, she's taken by Barbosa's crew. She's treated, you know. Pretty yeah. poorly yeah. by them. Uh, she's, you know, pretty bold in the face of uh, danger. There, yeah. trying to shank the captain in his cabin. This <laughs> <laughs> is this true. That's right. That's right. Um, but I don't know. What do you think that she does? She she actually undergoes a, a good deal of change too, right? She's she is willing at one point too to put herself. She mentions, uh, you know, the when she says, "I'll consider it my." A wedding present, you know, where she sort of does the, oh, you remember that yeah, part? Yeah, yeah, sort of self-sacrificing yes. willingness to marry this person she doesn't really love but knows is a good man right. for the sake of saving this other person she cares about. Right, right. So there's a, I think she does, I mean, I'm, I'm answering my own question, but I was thinking like, yes, she absolutely undergoes some change. There's some growth there. There's some realization mm-hmm. of who she is. Um, um, I think, I think maybe the, her starting place is, uh, aside from being a a, a girl who is well raised, so there's this um, <clears throat> analogy or not analogy. I feel like her dad is is kind of, he's a very much a side character, but he's actually the embodiment of a really good father. Um, uh-huh. And he makes he does a few things along the way that are I think are amazing as as a dad. Uh, there's he's he's very he's totally accepting of her. Mm-hmm. He gives her a little bit of responsibility on the boat to kind of keep her occupied. He, he's not, he doesn't try and squash who Elizabeth is at right. all. Yeah. Uh, and he's very understanding of her when he starts to realize that she is actually not that into Norrington. Yeah. You know, there's this moment right. where she's on the boat on the, the dauntless while the, while the, um, pirates are invading it at the end mm-hmm. and he starts monologuing to her through the story. He thinks she's there listening, but she's bailing out the back <laughs> and he's talking about how, you know, the, the wrong thing done, for, the right thing done for the wrong reasons can still be the wrong thing to do. You know, he's mm-hmm. trying to encourage her to not, you know, don't make a rash decision just because you're trying to do something good for someone else. Like actually, right. you, you don't, I'm not going to hold, basically he, he wasn't going to hold her to this promise that she made to marry the Commodore. And he was being more open to the idea of her being with Will, who was way below her station. Right, right. And <clears throat> he just genuinely wants what's best for her the whole way through. Yeah, that's and he's a... super gracious about it. Yeah. And I feel like that sets her up as, as even the young girl to to the op- being open to more possibility uh-huh. and being a stronger individual, right. more capable of taking care of herself. He kind of gives her the freedom to be who she needs to be. Right. Uh, I think um, it, it, she, I, I haven't thought of I haven't thought of him in such, with such positivity, but I think you're right about him uh, because he does come off. He's he's very much in line with the Commodore and his beliefs, his strict beliefs about pirates, and right. and he's you know no nonsense and stuff like that. But what you're talking about is another example, I think, of you know what appears to be is not always what is. And we look at these surface the surface of this guy. And you're like, oh, he's he's uptight. He's inflexible. He's uh, the governor. You know, yeah, he's and, the patriarch. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and instead he uh, he proves to be you know quite a bit more understanding yeah quite a bit more than that and you know there's no there's no mom in the picture no that's a very disney thing yeah right <laughs> and, it's, and it's unspoken you don't hear anything about it right it's and, and through all the movies there's no talk about no a mom talk about her mom whatsoever yeah she just doesn't yeah. appear yeah, it's always an interesting thing in in disney movies lots right. of lack of uh 
mothers, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. And it's in this instance, her dad does a, a surprisingly good job of being the understanding one and like right. kind of the comforting and the doting father, mm-hmm. which you'd expect to be more motherly. And, and, you know, maybe he's had to be that way for a period of time, you know, maybe, right. maybe his wife died in childbirth. Yeah. Which was not uncommon. And right. yeah, I was thinking about the, um, the way the filmmaker, um, exemplifies her sort of dissatisfaction with uh the her status sort quo of lot her, in life yeah, yeah her lot in life so he they put her in a sort of stifling corset you know that is literally <laughs> right. she they, choking they, her yeah, yeah it, it, she can't breathe she yeah. literally can't breathe <laughs> yeah. falls off the cliff That's because she can't visualize that, <laughs> um and so yeah, just by you know, if you remember, it's Jack who you know frees her from yeah. that. You know, oh, that's and, true. And, yep. he, and all of a sudden, she's oh, oh right. I can breathe. I'm I'm free from this uh, the constriction of yep. this uh, uh, society. So I think that's uh, that's done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, that's such a that's such a great s- symbolic moment there. Right. Yeah. And he and he's the only one who knows how to do it either. Those yeah. other soldiers. Yeah, I think someone says I wouldn't have thought it. of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Of course, and then he almost has to pay for it, you know, but he you know, then uses her as a hostage and gets away <laughs> right. in typical pirate-like fashion. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had talked a little bit about um, about how fate works in this film. And there is, there seems to be, there's, you know, there's the curse itself, which is a, a thing of fate. If you do this, this is going to happen. And, and it right. does. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no escaping the consequences of of this uh, sort of your, your past sins. Right. It's kind of right. An, a theme. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I I like what we, I think we've already talked about it basically, but when we look at Jack who embraces f- his fate, you know what I mean? That just keeps moving forward um, without, you know, I, I, I don't want to say accepts his fate, um, but he does accept his lot in life and he just keeps moving forward. Yeah, it's like he kind of holds on to it with a little more open hand than most. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah you said something too that I thought was pretty astute when you said um, about fate favoring those that are well prepared or something like that. Do you yeah, remember what you so said? F- I thought that uh, was fate tends to bend towards those with a plan and a vision and a goal. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Ferris, obviously, is another uh-huh. example of that. Right, but it's a, but Jack's a great example of that as well. Mm-hmm. That fate does favor him. Yep. Um, because he has vision and because he has because he knows where he's going knows what he wants right it's that admirable uh hero's uh, archetype again where the hero sets out with an intention and a goal and things don't go his way but nonetheless he makes the most of it and and mm-hmm. fate tends to fall on his side right exactly yeah. Which yeah, is, we see that over and over, and right. that's the and it's those familiar tropes, those familiar ideas that mm-hmm. start setting us up for, you know, now we we sort of know that story. That story's been told over right. and over, and then <laughs> when we see it, we see it again and again. We yep, 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 and it becomes this more solidified yeah. truth. We buy into it too. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because that's that is a it's a non obvious proposition, like the idea that that fate will tend to favor those with with uh, i'm not sure what it is exactly fate will tend to favor the hero let's say Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. that's that's a deeply ingrained in our stories right but it's i i suppose it's it's a proposition that's still up for debate because it's not obvious how that plays out right but but it's 
it's pretty critical to think that way. Like it's really useful. It's a pragmatic position to take if you intend to do anything of any substance. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you are of the opinion that fate is against you, despite the fact that you're trying to be heroic, right? That leads to a, a pretty nihilistic perspective. Pretty right. quick. Yeah. It's like why would I even try? You know, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. You know, fate will just squat me down anyway. Right. I know that's right. a, a thought I I struggle with regularly, but. But it seems like in our in literature and in, in art, mm-hmm. it's a really common theme. It's like do your best with what you can, right. and and the world will come to you essentially. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, we when you said we see it, we see it a lot in our mm-hmm. in our art. Um, when I'm, you <laughs> wish upon a star, <laughs> that's that's that, that whole line. There you, know? you go. Uh, <laughs> Anything your heart desires will come to you. Yeah, it's like right. that's that's that similar yeah, idea. Yeah, that is. Well, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now you have watched all of these films in this series, right? Yep. So, are there seeds that are planted in this one that um, that? Uh, well, what's, how am I trying to say? It? Do those do the characters follow the a trajectory that we would an, that we would anticipate at the end of this first film, uh, or is there some sort of big changes ahead or for some of these characters? Big time. So, I mean, I, the funny thing about this series, the, the first one was highly acclaimed. Uh-huh. The second one was a huge disappointment because it was basically a bridge to the third one. Okay, and so the, the second the, the is not quite as interesting of a storyline for a lot of people. And then the third one was just too confusing for most people to follow. Wow. There's too many threads, too many characters. Yeah. It was um, a lot. It, it didn't do as well, but I, I thought they were awesome. Yeah. This is one of my favorite trilogies. They're so cohesive. Is there, an, is there a fourth one too? Is there it? is a fourth one, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's so bad it's kind of like back to the future three uh which is kind of like my least favorite of the of the trilogy oh man uh that one sort of goes downhill for me it was a horrible (laughs) afterthought just a plain embarrassing money grab yeah that's that's not good when that that, 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 when that shows so obviously that's kind of painful to watch it is but the other two so the first one is a great standalone you don't have to watch Mm -hmm. the other two to get a lot out of it but the but after it did so well, it was clear that they had in mind the potential for two more. And yeah. they're both awesome. There were a lot of really good themes. I feel like Elizabeth's character in particular, uh-huh. and, and the Commodore actually, uh-huh. both of them have really interesting story arcs that carry through the next cool. two videos. I'll have to because, watch that, yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good. At the end of the second one, Elizabeth uh, betrays Jack to his death. Ooh. And it's this intense moment that Ooh, sets yeah. her up for, for, you know, it's sort of the completion of her pirate journey oh, in yeah, one sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but also helps her to find where her moral boundaries are in some okay. sense as well. Like, and maybe you get to see why Jack has, why Jack is so loyal despite being right. a pirate <laughs> right right you know and he doesn't betray anyone at this point no. i think and maybe he keeps he's... and you mentioned he keeps trusting people mm. which is another um is a an understanding of people i think is another heroic quality where the hero understands who he's dealing with at any particular moment and understands how to work with i'm thinking of odysseus you know on his great yeah. journey where he's not the same odysseus with the people he runs into now, i meet this person i have to be this kind of odysseus if i meet this person i've got to be this kind. Yeah, he's a man of many and, faces right and, and 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 he has the knowledge and wherewithal to know when to be 
who he needs to be. And I think Jack does the same thing, right? I mean, he knows <laughs> yeah. what to do in any given circumstance. Uh, so does yeah, Ferris he Bueller. He talks his way out of things you know, like, like Odysseus does too. <laughs> yes, he's, he's good that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the uh, but again, as, as, a, as a hero, if we're looking at, when we look at truth in literature, we look at the things that make a hero and whether it be a character in literature or Ferris Bueller or Jack Sparrow, we start seeing some of these things that we've, I think we, we I think that we value them. You know that I would hope that we value some of these things. Yeah, right. Um, well, and, and on the flip side of value, the things that we are immediately repulsed by um, are the, the villains. And in this case, one of those is Barbosa. And right. so I was curious what what your thoughts were about about him as a character. <laughs> He's a he is I would say our most archetypal villain. Um, he's he's stuck between I mean he, the the interesting thing about Barbosa is he's already dead you know what I mean so the, right. this idea that 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 creates a conflict right off the bat because he's not really you know you can't yeah. really you, you can't really stop him necessarily you right. know what I mean you, know, you can't dead. shoot him you can't you know mm-hmm. so he has this sort of uh the moment he comes alive he's dead again <laughs> <laughs> so um so he is he's interesting in that way but he is uh he knows what he wants, though, too. I mean, he wants, and he and he's yeah. and he presumably is working with his crew. Although, you know, he you know, um, there is yeah. a little bit of a I don't know. I think it's a foil is what they call it. But uh-huh. there's a, there's a comparison set up between him and Jack. In that, yes. Uh, one of those comparisons is in honesty, right? So Jack is actually fairly honest, fairly transparent with his intentions and goals, whereas the Barbosa isn't at all, and he will say things that right. he actually does. Uh, like he, he gets out on a couple of, what do you call them? Uh, some fine print in these negotiations that are right. clarified. Right. And he takes That's some right. liberties. So he has the appearance of honesty without actually being an honest right, person right. at all. He's also very intelligent, right? Yeah. And he also does the same thing again where we get this idea where one of his first lines is, you know, she says something and he says, oh, we're simple pirates. You use too many big words there. And right. then, he, then he throws out this thing <laughs> seconds later, like, oh, we refuse to acquiesce to your demeanor. You know. Yeah, you're and, and, yeah. She, and her Elizabeth looks at you know, like, Wait a minute! I've just been had, and we right. feel like we've. So now we we know as an audience to sort of watch this guy. Mm-hmm. He's an intellectual equal to uh, yeah, Jack for least. sure. Yeah. Um, but he is. I think he does play that part. He plays that foil. So where you know, I think we've we've to look at this. We could say, what do we like about Jack that we don't see in Barbosa, or what do we see in Barbosa that we don't like that we do like in Jack? Because mm. um, they are. So we're so we talked about the Jack's honesty and his you know and so we could look at uh, Barbosa's dishonesty as the thing that really makes him a little more despicable. Yep, um, definitely. Is there any other? What are, where are there other differing points there? Um, because a foil, it should be you know a lot of times, and and I think this would be like in a traditional uh, a foil. Is it all of the weak points that you have are made up in that other person? So if you're writing or you're creating a character, um, you have this this character that's 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 noble and that is let's say that he's really a good person, really love is really a good person, really cares about people, but he's deathly afraid of women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First, sure. whatever. Okay, now his foil would be this person who is super confident around women. You know what I mean? Right. So you sort of yin and yang them with this thing. Gotcha. So how so how does if we look at that, if we take that sort of traditional approach to mm-hmm. character and foil or hero and foil, 
how does it how do they uh so I, one of the other elements I think I see is loyalty. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty clear foil because Barbosa is the leader of the mutiny uh, against Jack. Right. And so whereas Jack doesn't betray anyone, uh, right. Barbosa will. He, he betrayed Jack, betrays right. this, you know, the, mm-hmm. and gets the whole crew on his side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an element of, of mercy where Jack is willing to go and negotiate with people and, and get what he wants without. He doesn't resort to killing. He doesn't really care right. to. Um, whereas Barbosa doesn't care you know, but they're easy so to search right. when easier to dead. search when they're dead right. yeah yeah that's a great line and so they're the difference in philosophy there uh-huh. barbosa is actually a, a good pirate when it comes down to it yeah he's he is a good pirate <laughs> right he, he, he has all those things that we you know you know the the intellect and the and this sort of greed and the and i, I don't care about anyone else and and this and the, the cunning the, the bluster that he that he you know the way he yells at his crew you right. scurvy wretched day you know stuff mm-hmm. he's uh he he's he checks all those boxes right. as that as that guy. Great acting job too, man. I just oh, love that. Yeah, guy. Jeffrey Rush is oh, uh, they, they scored with that yeah. one. Who's the one in who plays the one with the with the, the squid guy in there? Is oh, that the yeah. second one? Is that yeah, the second? that's that the yeah, fish face, yeah, the, uh, the octopus guy. Yeah, it's a it's uh it's this British actor. I wish I knew his name. He's uh most features he's one of the main characters in Love Actually, the guy. Oh, he's the I've seen that. No, okay. I'll try I'll try and come up with another one if I can remember. But uh great. He does a really good job. Yeah, I was thinking I remember Phenomenal seeing that one. Job. I did see that one. Um uh, long time ago. I don't know how you could have seen that one, but not the third. Like that one ends <laughs> so open ended. Is so that the terribly. one that they end in a um is Barbosa back at that one? Yeah, yeah Barbosa comes back in, at the in end, a little swamp and, and some uh, uh, Jack like a, is a dead. Witch something. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's yep. how the second one ends. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess I just l- was okay with that cliffhanger. <laughs> 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 I think I'm, I think we're talking about me seeing these in the movie theater. Oh, actually, okay. that's so, the last time you saw it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where I saw that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of other character traits that that Jack and uh, and Barbosa are opposites with. <clears throat> the I loved well I mean what's funny to me is they both care about their hats <laughs> like right <laughs> <laughs> funny little comparison that puts them on the same level right. in some sense you know <laughs> Jack's negotiating for for his position with the pearl and he's like, right. I'll buy you a big hat <laughs> <laughs> the hat Commodore yes no that's that hat is set up in the very beginning too that's one of the first yep. things when he's captured right when, when he takes Elizabeth hostage for the first time says, right Give me my hat. Yep, the hat, the <laughs> pistol with one shot, and his, uh, his compass, compass that doesn't point north. Right, right. All these things that. What's funny is that. So what he carries around with him, and this is there's there's something a little deeper to this. But the things that Jack always has with him are things that are only valuable to him. None right. of that stuff anyone else would even want. Right, right. Which is really useful for a person with maximum freedom. Yeah. And we know that that's what Jack values most is freedom. Right. And he talks about his whole pursuit of the pearl is really a pursuit of freedom. Because yeah. to him, that's what it is. It's the ability to go anywhere, do anything. Right. It's that personal, ultimate freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for a guy who uh, really belongs in a jail cell, uh, he he carries around three or four items that no one else would want. And, right. But they all have their purpose. You know, the, the pistol with the one shot is for his mutini- mutineering first mate, Barbosa, right. which he gets to use at the end of the movie, which yeah. is so satisfying. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, his hat that you know, I think symbolizes his his play- position as the captain, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. kind of key to him being free. He right. can't be a free sailor. He's got to be the captain. Got to be a captain. Yep. Yeah. And then, and that uh, that compass that compass. doesn't point north, but right. it points to what he wants most. Right. And it's interesting that... Gosh, this is this is good. 
free you can't have freedom without an, a goal like freedom doesn't mean anything unless right. you also know what you're trying to accomplish right right like freedom in the a realm of unlimited potential is as good as being lost right. in the middle of the ocean right it's just yeah. totally worthless yeah but because he has that compass right. um it it's the it's the best thing in the world he couldn't have anything better than than freedom right and when you have the compass yeah and i feel like there's some deep moral i think there message is there yeah i think there is i don't know maybe you could bring that into the tie that into the more practical application because uh for people who aren't maybe making the connection determined and come to the conclusion on is that a hero always has to have an aim or a purpose or a goal but we've also noticed that there is this as a transformative nature of a hero and w we can measure a hero's uh, success or uh, effectiveness by how well he or she transforms those around him or her but it's important that he's not like his goal is not to transform people but it's it's his own you know it's his own highest aim his own you know shooting for the stars that seems to result in the transformation of the people around him. right right and i think that is important to notice that the hero's aim is not to transform others but positive transformation occurs when the when the hero is following his or her own aim or desire or goal and sort of magical things actually happen as a result of that yeah. And to make that like even, even more personal, I, when I think about myself, it, it helps me to, it helps me to knuckle down and, and do the hard things that I'm inspired to do. Uh, and trusting that the people around me will benefit from it, even if I can't tell how, right. uh, is, is sort of a, a positive side effect that comes from people striving after their highest goals. Right. Right. I, I think of actually yesterday uh, was a UFC fight recently, uh -huh. and uh, Khabib is uh, one of the uh, middleweights. Someone will correct me on that one, but uh -huh. <laughs> he, he's he's one of the middleweights, and he um he went against this guy Justin Gaethje. I can't pronounce it right, uh -huh. but they um that was the most well matched f title fight I had seen in five or six UFC events by far. Like, okay, this guy. Uh, Khabib is is the undefeated champion. He was, or he he like he had gotten there and he'd held. He's defended his title against Conor McGregor and a few other big name people. Uh -huh. Everyone knew he was good, yeah. and and he recently lost his dad uh, about uh -huh. a year ago, who was also his coach. Oh, and boy. so he had his matches had been put off for quite a while, uh -huh. and then this Gaethje guy, he was an undefeated champion. He had kicked everyone's butt up uh -huh. until this match, and so people really there was no knowing who was going to come out on top. Um, but what ended up happening was actually Khabib completely won that fight fair wow. and square. Uh -huh. There was, it was no gray area. Justin tapped out. Um, and it was this moment of, of seeing someone who is 100% the best Joe Rogan on his Instagram said the, you know, uh, Khabib is the goat, you know, the greatest uh -huh. of all time. He, I've almost never seen a time when so unanimously agreed upon this guy uh -huh. is the best at that weight class. Right. No contest. Like no one else in the world could compare at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I, and I make that point because watching that fight and coming away with that, I had almost like a spiritual experience. Uh -huh. I'm not even much of a fight guy. Like uh -huh. I wrestled, and I enjoy it, but yeah. But seeing someone who is so clearly the best uh -huh. at something, even something as primitive and relatively inconsequential as fighting, uh -huh. was deeply inspiring to right. me. Yeah. Like something I about that 
made me want to achieve the best of what I could do. Right, right. I don't know what that is. Right. But yeah. it, it was it was really impactful. Oh, and yeah. you know, he broke down and he 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 was really humble about this win. Yeah. And he's he, Which he, I love. He's That's no awesome. showboater. Oh right, right. He's just like just the epitome of a good sport. Yeah. You know, he and and Justin was too. Like they mm-hmm. you know they hugged afterward and he, he just has so much respect. They have so much respect for each other right, being right. at the pinnacle of their game. Right. And uh and and watching that event was was inspiring was yeah in, in a deep way and and that's maybe a, a microcosm of of what it means to be a hero and to inspire others right you know it's it's, it's almost an archetypal story these fight stories right. but it i think that the same plays out in in arenas in all sorts of arenas yeah you know if you're the manager at a at a company or heck at a at a Starbucks or a McDonald's and, mm-hmm. and you are an admirable, admirable person. You strive to do that job with excellence and, and right. the best that you possibly can, you know, whatever that goal is, if you really drive for it, other people around you will be inspired and right. will be transformed yeah, will. for the better. Absolutely. I mean, how could you make things worse? Right. <laughs> you know, really? <laughs> this is true. No, I think I love your sports analogy as well because those we often call them our sports heroes, right? I mean, right. They're, they're, that's, and that's what totally. they what they are, um, inspiring people. And when people are at their best, and you know that those people embody the, what we've already talked about are heroic qualities of focus and goals and visions and mm-hmm. just putting one foot in front of the other and going for it despite and loyalty and, 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 and it, right all know, of those not things backstabbing things right. like that. Mm-hmm. So I watch someone like an NFL player like Patrick Mahomes, who's another fantastic athlete that is is absolutely inspiring yeah. uh, and, and not as boy i wish i could play football like that but boy if i had that you know if i channeled all my energy and you know, because that's what he's doing he's right. insane Everything. with your fighter Give he's, it all. he's like i am a hundred percent into winning this fight at this moment you know what i mean yeah. that's my absolute goal i want to be the best at my sport and to watch somebody uh do that it is inspiring mm-hmm. and i think that's where um you know, this idea of hero worship <laughs> comes yeah. in, uh, yeah. which I don't even think is so bad. I think it's, uh, you know, maybe worship's a strong word, but I, I love the idea that we can look at these people and say, I love this about you, yeah. and this is inspiring for me. And that instinct for admiration drives us to, to be better to people. To be better people, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, that's a lot of what this podcast is about, is looking at these these uh heroes and villains in right. fiction uh-huh. and, and trying to tease out what it is that's so admirable about them and to embody that right. to some small degree day by day right and we're seeing we see a lot of universal truths and i think it's a good you know and that's why i like talking about these things because as i've said since the beginning there's far there are far more things that unite us than there are that divide us yep so you know we look at these you know there's a lot we can see ourselves in these characters that we just talked about you know uh in, in pirates of the caribbean right. you know we can <laughs> see from a different century right you right know, it's, so it's, they're so different and yet yeah. it's so similar it's it is it's pretty fascinating but i think that we can when we can locate ourselves in these in these characters which we can with some with ease mm-hmm. especially in something that's as accessible as this which is interesting because this is an incredibly plot heavy movie yeah um lot of plot lot of action you know what i mean uh right. yet you still and, and sometimes that's hap that happens at the expense of character but i don't think it happens in the at the expense of character in this movie um you know what i mean like right. if you and spend so much time with this as like our one of our right. good movies worth looking at and it, it does break the rules. Comedies are typically should be about an hour and a half. Like when they talk about screenwriting, they say 90 pages. And each page is about a minute of film time. Huh. So comedy, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. It's all the audience can sort of, you know, 
stomach. Uh, huh. And this one is long. It's it a, it's long. over it's over a couple hours. Yeah, which episode might three be... is even longer than this wow. by a good bit. Really? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm thinking is that that might be one of the reasons why we have the richness of character that we do because. It, because it's long, you know, they had to spend some more time, mm-hmm. you know, if they wanted all the action, which is some great stuff, some great oh, sword gosh. fights and the, yep. the, so fun. even in the very beginning with the, uh, in the blacksmith with, shop, in the blacksmith shop, right. With the, the <clears throat> cart, you know, that's, uh, that they have to keep balanced, you know, <laughs> sort of, and there's right. s- surely some symbolism there too. I think that's sort of trying to keep a, yeah, keep the <laughs> too much order, too much chaos, right, kind right. of balancing each other out. There you go. Yeah, right, totally. Right. Yeah. So there's a, so yeah, there's a it's a it's a it's a it's a great great character study, even though it breaks the sort of comedic rules of of. Uh, but we have tons of plot and we have lots of good character development, so it's a win in my book for sure. Oh, it's sure. a great movie, fantastic! So thanks for letting me watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for for joining me with this conversation. Hope you guys uh, got some good meat out of that. Yeah, and some good takeaways, and uh, find yourself inspired to 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 live the best you you know live the best life that you can live you only got one of them there you go (laughs) all right till next time until next time indeed thank you for joining us it's truth and fiction and we'll catch you again later